Let's bring in Bob Iaccino, the founder, the chief strategist of Path Trading Partners, to get his take on the numbers here this morning. Bob, let's start with durable goods orders. They came in a little bit better than expected. A pretty good indication that some of the spending we're seeing, consumers remain resilient in this higher rate environment. Well, I would push back a tiny bit, not a lot, because this is the time of year that we see the consumers kind of hang in there. We also saw a record number of early Black Friday sales in terms of putting those sales forth. But then you look at the actual sales figures and they're down at the low end of normal according to a, an index that Bloomberg tracks. So the Black Friday sales have been starting earlier and earlier, more and more retailers, even small retailers. You know, your local, I, I don't know, nutrition and supplement company, for example, sending you an email or individual sellers on some on a place like Etsy sending you Black Friday sales. Those sales are generally a sign of excess inventory, and yeah, they've been out there, and durable goods is one of them. I got more than four or five emails this week about uh, places like Target and, and the like doing early Black Friday sales, especially on electronics, which would include durable goods. Now, to your point, this durable goods number is from last month, so it's likely there's not a lot of these Black Friday sales in there. But again, the, the resiliency is again from last month, and we still have inflation built into those figures. And I'm thinking resiliency also in terms of we know that uh, the housing market's really been suffering recently. The data has been disappointing across the board there. So these being those larger ticket items, oftentimes associated with the housing health and well-being or lack thereof, and in an environment that's very really suffering, we saw mortgage rates up above 7%. I mean, they've come off since. We've got the TNX 3.75, but again, this is a pretty strong number, I would guess. And then we also tie this to uh, Bob I mean in theory if we all have jobs right then we can go out and spend we can buy these larger ticket items or to your point the Black Friday sales items ultimately uh, uh, you know we haven't really seen major declines there so this sort of ties back to the jobless claims for the most part today's number pretty good as well yeah, I would, I would talk about two things. You brought up a good point about the home numbers or the home sales figures in general, because when people are out looking for homes and they can't decide, I'm sorry, they decide they can't afford it, whether it's because of mortgage rates or prices haven't dropped enough to reflect the higher mortgage rates, sometimes they just change appliances. Sometimes they do a little bit of work. It wasn't in the Home Depot numbers, but it might be in next month's Lowe's numbers, which tends to be a little bit better priced than Home Depot. Um, when you decide you can't afford a new home, sometimes you do rehab with the money you save for your new home to the old home. So that goes into durable goods. You mentioned jobless claims. I actually wanted to talk about that because one of the things, you know, Ben, from talking to me over the years that I will shift focus on which piece of data I look at, depending on the situation, depending on what matters. Right now, we're trying to predict, A, whether there's going to be a recession, I think it's an almost certainty, and B, how bad the recession is going to be. One of the very good indicators or I should say predictors of a recession, is continuing claims, okay. not weekly claims. Continuing claims has been on a pretty steady up move yeah. since about September 29th, and it was up again this week versus expectations, So, and a little bit versus last month as well. So continuing in that vein, if you're looking to see, are we going to get a recession in the future, continuing claims, along with obviously the 210 spreads, although the S&P PMI figures were a little bit better across the globe today, but with the PMI numbers, et cetera, are all pointing to a recession again, especially that 210 spread and the continuing claims figures.
Okay, so uh, again, point taken here. The jobless numbers uh, may be suggesting here that we are seeing some uh, cracks in the dam in terms of labor conditions. I actually, as I look at it, it looks like last week's got revised up from 221 to 223 as well. I'll make that 220 two to 223 and then this week again topping expectations at 240 and i've had multiple guests to your point there bob tell us to keep an eye on those continuing claims because they haven't going up showing that people are in uh, or looking for uh, jobs uh, a bit longer right now and remaining jobless uh, uh, for a prolonged period of time there. Uh, Bob, let's talk a little bit about what this means to the Fed ultimately, because uh, again, markets responding to it, the Treasury spiked lower, the futures did, and then rallied back, kind of right back into the range that we've seen in the overnight session. We've got the indices for the most part hanging out uh, somewhat mixed, right around unchanged. This doesn't seem like it's really shifted sentiment much here in terms of expectations. No, I agree. And, and just real quick, back to that continuing claims number, the September 29th number where I said we kind of bottomed out was about 1.346. So uh, we've gone up substantially from that point. You know, we see a little uptick week after week after week. But when you go back to that sort of low figure, it's a pretty big move up. Now, in terms of what we're seeing in ter um, on market reaction, um, your show is probably the most important show of the day, and I wouldn't necessarily say that every single day, simply because as we go into the day off tomorrow in the U.S. and the holiday shortened equity markets on Friday, most of the position squaring or even some small position resetting happens in the morning session. So you're likely gonna see these reactions uh, happen early and then slow down to a crawl. Okay. And that's just not necessarily about you know, well, everybody in the U.S. slows down. When you lose U.S. liquidity, you lose global interest. So that's going to start happening as the day goes on. So people should be paying attention to the future show uh, pretty closely for an indication of what might happen when we come back on Friday and potentially on Monday. Bob, talk to us a little bit about uh, uh, Bitcoin, what's going on here, a very closely watched product at this point with the recent developments here. And, uh, you know, it does seem like everything's been relatively contained still, but there's enormous amount of uncertainty. And uh, you can when you look at the futures, you can tell uh, the impact that it's had on price. Yeah, sometimes you say things bad, and I could just say you're correct and stop talking, but you're right. It's going to be a focus, and people are making a lot, uh, a, quite a big deal about Bitcoin holding in here, and I agree with that. I mean, you've got this, this sort of um, sector of people that are just going to buy Bitcoin on this particular dip and say, look, I'm not looking at it until about 10, 15 years from now, so I don't care, but when you look at a chart, we're actually holding in, but the trend is getting decidedly weaker. Yeah. We're not getting rallies like you would normally yeah. get when something holds in, right? It's been holding in for a long time. And that illustrates the uncertainty the uncertainty that you pointed to. And that's really what it's about. Um, am I going to buy a lot here? No. Have I bought any here? A tiny bit. You know, I've been uh, devoid of cryptocurrency since March. You know that, we've talked about it. I bought a little bit of Bitcoin, but a very, very small amount. Same thing with equities, I'm long S&P, but a very small amount, because I suspect these things have another quarter or two to play out. Um, but I think that we could have a slight up move in Bitcoin here, but it needs to happen soon. It's not something I'm predicting, and I hope anybody watching this doesn't go out and buy Bitcoin, because I did, because there might be a lot more pain involved in this particular trade. The FTX situation is bleeding into other crypto 
um, monoliths and big crypto companies, and it's likely to bleed a little bit into traditional markets. It's not a Lehman moment, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. been asking. It's just a Lehman moment. If you're calling it a Lehman moment for crypto, I'd say no. And based off that, I'd say it's not a Lehman moment for the market. Mm -hmm. But it's just indicative of bubbles. We have bubbles in a lot of things. I would include the dollar in that. So uh, these things are probably going to break when liquidity is low next, basically the next month and a half. I agree. Uh, you're talking trillions when you're talking Lehman versus billions here. Uh, the ripple effect may not be as widespread. If we just pull this chart up or the ripples may not as be as intense in terms of that effect. If we could just pull this daily again, uh, it does look like we could actually label this new area consolidation as number seven, the newest area. And just to Bob's point, we haven't really seen those excitement type run-ups uh, as of recent here you can see the double top up around 69,000 price activity that's ensued since Bob uh, solid look here appreciate you joining us to break down the numbers and uh, uh, give us your take in terms of uh, a couple of the products that we watch very closely here Bob Iacino the founder the chief strategist of path trading partners